0: Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, special effects artist, podcaster and man of leisure. And I am joined, as ever, by my beautiful co-host, Delectable, my delectable (laughs) co-host. Sam Ashurst, who was about to correct beautiful into delectable, but I'm
1: glad I didn't have to do that. And uh, yeah, I'm a writer, I'm a director, I'm a podcast person and I am excited to complete... The final five of our 10 films of 2023. I I think I said that in a slightly weird way, but I'm excited that we're going to finish off our top 10 because uh, it's actually been a pretty amazing year, I've realised. I've complained about it off and on about how bad 2023 has been but uh this, this actually might be my favorite top 10 I've done in about 5 years so <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah that's that's how it goes sometimes dan how are you feeling about your top 5 and your top 10 as a whole
0: yeah i, I like it's all good it's it's good stuff i've um i've had a really good uh really good run of it like it's always like this you know you start going oh what have i seen and then you start doing the list and you're like oh i've only got 20 (laughs) (laughs) i've only got 20 brilliant films so yeah, but it's like it's been a it's been a good year I think. Well, actually for me what's interesting
1: is that I don't have a 20 that I can really stand by and in the past I have had and actually it's kind of fucked me up in a little way. Like last year's list is is bullshit for me. Like there's there's a couple of things on there that like I haven't watched again and won't watch again. Obviously, there's still masterpieces on there, don't get me wrong. It's not a a, a complete waste of your time to go back and listen to it. But yeah, there's there's a couple on there that I absolutely don't stand by. Because I got in my head about it. I was like, well, Dan's going to choose Speak No Evil, so I can't put that in my top 10. I'll put this instead that I don't kind of feel as passionately about, but I want more of a kind of mix. Whereas this year, because I've been more restricted, because really... It's been like 15 at the most. I feel like the overall standard is much better. So that's a a long way of saying there's some really great films ahead uh, for you, precious Arrowheads. Most of which you probably would have heard of or seen. I'm just really, really happy with the top 10 overall this year. And I hope you feel the same way, Dan, now that you're not doing your algorithm anymore. Yeah, fuck that. Fuck that noise. (laughs) It'll It'll be back. (laughs) <laughs> excellent excellent yeah because it is very funny would you like to go first this this time
0: yeah i can go first that actually works out quite well for reasons i will make clear later Oh, so yeah uh in at number five uh, it's a last minute edition for me I, i've wanted to watch it for ages and i i wasn't able to track it down until it just came out on general release in the uk on streaming uh, so I watched it recently, well, between last episode and this episode, which has thrown everything into a bit of a loop. Ooh. It wouldn't be an end of your list if I didn't butcher the name of Quentin Dupieux, oh <laughs> French <yes. laughs> nouveau surrealist director. Yeah, yeah. You had a film at Cannes called Smoking Causes Coughing, which is like a, a mad cross between Power Rangers and an old Amicus anthology, plus... Wrong cops. Yeah, like when he when he gets it right, I adore his work. Like it's so imbued. Like th- every cell of it is no reason. Like his his sort of mantra. And 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 while sometimes that can be a little too chaotic or a little dire- a little too directionless, this one kind of like deerskin. It's it's kind of in the wrong cops level. I think it's right. it's absolutely fantastic. Absolutely love it. It's about a a band of lycra clad avengers they call themselves mm-hmm. uh, superheroes very power rangersy who fight rubber monsters and the leader of their team is a rat <laughs> a puppet rat um and they are sent on a retreat uh, f- because their group dynamic is falling apart and they're starting to show signs of individualism um so they're sent away on a retreat where they uh, tell each other stories around the campfire like a, like a portmanteau framing narrative oh excellent and it is it is delightful and weird and occasionally quite gory.
1: Fantastic! I actually didn't know that it had a portmanteau structure, so um, yeah, very excited yeah. to see that. And it, I haven't caught and, it yet.
0: Yeah, yeah. His his soundtracks are always good. Obviously, uh, a lot of our listeners will know that he is Mr. Wazot, mm-hmm. the um, the French. Sort of dance artist, but he often collaborates with or just chooses very good music for his uh, his soundtrack. And I was particularly delighted when uh, Mort Garson turned up on the soundtrack to this one. I um we've we've talked about Mort Garson's stuff a few times on the podcast mm-hmm. over the years, and I have a a lovely T shirt that I found of the um, the front cover for the single release of Bromeliads Thrive on Partial Neglect. Uh, and I wore it to set, and two people recognized it, and I felt very cool <laughs> um, on this most recent job. Excellent. And then uh, and then he turned up on the soundtrack of Smoking Causes Coughing. It's excellent. Watch it. It's got suicidal robots and exploding turtle men.
1: Oh, finally. Fantas- it sounds a little bit like the Ninja Turtles, because it has turtle Man and uh, a rat leader.
0: well turtle man there's yeah you know what the rat leader could be seen as a sort of quasi splinter although he looks more like something out of meet the feebles
1: <laughs> oh wow okay this sounds incredible i definitely watch it fabulous all right well um we shall move on to my number five and i did indeed put up an instagram post asking for suggestions to watch before recording this episode and uh, several people joined in thank you so much including um, someone who recommended barbie so i don't I, either they have listened to the first half and are trolling me or haven't because i didn't receive any backlash from my barbie opinions dan can you believe that not a single bit outside of possibly that
0: i think i think everyone's everyone's in our um in the sort of the social world of film enthusiasts is is very cool and respects that other people have different opinions to them exactly
1: yeah I love it well this opinion isn't that different from a a lot of our listeners I think because I got this film suggested by several people James Rodriguez Nick J Barrett and Cor Parr Um, they all suggested Anatomy of a Fall and thank you all because you got it spot on I did actually see Anatomy of a Fall in theatres And it was on my long list. But sometimes, yeah, when people make suggestions in that way, it does make you kind of reconsider. What is it about this that's so special? What is it about it that's either resonated with people or has made them associate it with my own taste? And I started to analyse it a bit more deeply. And there's one kind of section of the film in the third act that I'm not going to spoil. But um, there's one particular section that the more i thought about it the more i kind of interpreted it differently and that kind of changed the whole film for me in a way so it kind of bumped it up the list so yeah james nick core poor thank you so much for uh, uh pushing it into the top 10 because i did really love it and it is very tricky to talk about so um yeah basically anything i could say uh about the reasons i loved it that would be a massive spoiler except for the performances, which are exceptional, especially Sandra Hulia, or Hula, who will appear again in this list. Uh, It's another long one, like others in my bottom five, it's two and a half hours, but because of the structure, you really don't feel that length. Like I say, I saw it at the cinema, and I was actually pretty shocked when the end credits landed, because I was like, oh wow, yeah, it it flies by. Um, That's all I'm gonna say about it, because of the way it twists and turns. But uh, Anatomy of a Fall, it's at number five in my list. I'm very happy it's here. And, uh, yeah, thanks again to everyone who uh, who suggested it. Dan, have you seen Anatomy of a Fall?
0: You'll have to wait and find out. Oh, exciting. <laughs> excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, what's next from you? <laughs> well, next up for me is another nearly three-hour-long film. Oh which i had i imagine we'll see somewhere in this uh, this top 5 for you maybe right at the top who who knows i think it's the director's best film by quite some margin and i know his other his other films are very very well loved so i think that's saying something mm. um, it it never felt slow or draggy for me even at its three hour length it's it's Bo is Afraid of course Um, yes yes which I don't know if I expected to love as much as I did and maybe that helped but I you know I really decided that I I had to see it at at the big screen as soon as possible ideally first week so that there was still a big audience even if there was going to be a drop-off because um because of those like voice notes that were coming out of that festival screening where people were saying oh it's a career killer how right. can he come back from this and I'm yeah. like yep right going to fucking watch that that's good that's right to the top of my list um and I don't know what the hell they were talking about like it's it's weird as fuck but you know he's got enough momentum and enough fans now that it'll it'll make its money back and it's great it's absolutely fantastic um I think Phoenix is like it's it's possibly career best from Phoenix I think he's amazing in it mm. um and yeah like it's it's just fucked up enough for me it's just funny enough it's just weird enough it it really really did everything i wanted and it kept i mean it it actually sits quite well alongside the films of Dupur as well because mm. it, it does have that sort of like that surreality to mm-hmm. it but it's presented in quite a po faced way like no one is no one is being weirded out by the weird stuff nothing is I mean it's not strictly true. Like a lot of people are constantly very stressed, but that seems to be more like a a general demeanor than a than yeah. a response to the stuff that's around them specifically. Yeah, I really really enjoyed it. Um and I extolled it very heavily when it first came out and I I kind of felt back then it was it was probably going to make the top 10
1: yeah that's yeah uh, we discussed it very early in the year didn't we and and this was another one that was on my long list i loved the first hour if if it continued on like that it would have been my film of the decade probably i adored like the portrayal of anxiety and and stress and modern city living i just thought it was incredible but yeah it fell away a little bit for me in the middle act and then came together again at the end so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. fantastic if, if the, fantastic movie. if the
0: second act had been just a a little tighter, it would yeah. have it would have jumped up a peg or two. Uh, yeah. It, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it lost its way. I, I still think it was very considered and that nothing yeah. being done wasn't important. Yeah. But sometimes it's it's difficult to include everything mm-hmm. that it, that needs to be included and and for it to, still to maintain its tightness. There have been a few films um, over the years where I feel that they suffer from the quality of their first act. And actually, there's another film on this list that that. Uh, coming up that I I think did as well oh interesting Um, where like the the first act is just so stellar like the rest of the film's great and in any other circumstances it would be an amazing film but the first act is so good that it just kind of can't compete with it I don't think this was fully that but yeah, that first act, as you say, is is just masterful. Yeah,
1: really is. All right, well, I'm intrigued now about what's on the rest of your list because uh, I think usually we don't have a crossover, but I think maybe we've got maybe one or two crossovers this time. But let's see with my number four movie of 2023, which is The Holdovers. Now, I went to see this one with my friend Ree, who said it was uh, much too Christmassy for them as we were walking out. So it's potentially even more too Christmassy for you, Dan. I think any sprinkling of Christmas makes you unhappy. But now I'm not so sure. Maybe it's on your list. But it didn't actually make me think of Christmas. It made me think of the 70s, which is obviously when it's set and very much how it's stylistically delivered Uh, I don't know if you've seen the trailer for this one, Dan, but they've even got like a voiceover guy on the trailer for it, which is uh, pretty fun. But it made me think of directors like uh, Hal Ashby and a time when movies like this really did get made. Like people always say, oh, they don't make movies like this anymore. For me, The Holdovers definitely was one of those films I loved all of these characters and while the third act does go into more predictable directions than the uh, amazing first act it does feel earned by all of the character work that's gone before it Uh, it's a little different to alexandra Payne's usual stuff it feels like there's more heart to it more compassion for the characters and that feeling really translates to um, the experience of watching it there's a moment at a party around the halfway point where I thought to myself, I would die for all of these characters like this. Yeah, I love them all so much. Um, and when I told that to Re, laughed in my face. So um, possibly this isn't one for everyone, <laughs> but it definitely was for me. Um, the Holdovers, my number four movie of 2023. Dan, have you seen The Holdovers?
0: I have, yeah. It reminded me a little bit of Louis John Carlinos' class from '83. Oh, okay. That was kind of a like a general vibe it had. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the main character reminded me of um, of Rob Lowe's character in Class. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I it didn't quite land with me. It was a little too nice, right? Um, yeah, <laughs> and 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 the arcs felt a little too. I mean, predictable isn't really a fair thing to level at it because it wasn't, it's not like it's a thriller, like it's not trying to pull wool over your eyes at any point. But no, I, but I, I, just I felt said like... predictable.
1: Yeah, it, the, the third act did yeah, feel predictable yeah. for me, for sure. But I love Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah. why I thought it might have crept into your list because you're saying another film has a better first act than the rest of it and that's how I felt about the holdovers but the the work done in that first act was just so stellar for me that it it really carried it through to the end this is another one that who knows how I'll feel when I revisit it but I just love yeah. the experience of watching it so much yeah i
0: i um yeah like it just it didn't quite land i the performances were all fantastic i thought the cinematography was stupendous yes. like the actual like the grade, the lighting, yeah. the shot choices, the lens choices yeah. were all very, very like astutely lifted from the seventies. Absolutely. Interestingly, yeah. I didn't think that the physical staging or the direction of the characters' movement was particularly authentic to the seventies. Right, yeah. Whether or I, not that matters to you as an audience, I don't. Don't uh, know. Yeah, I, I agree with um, that. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, like. It it So it, there were loads of things it was almost brilliant at and it was very slightly disappointing at all of them, which again, like can almost be worse than something that's just kind of fine. Well, what's interesting
1: is this idea that it's too nice because, yeah, you're right. I think if Alexander Payne had used his kind of normal approach... It would have felt more
0: seventies in that way as well, which is kind of weird. But yeah, um, you need that darkness for the seventies stuff, and I think that maybe that's why it feels like an like you know class is eighty three. Yeah, and I think that it has a lot of the same anxieties in it. But we are sort of creeping into that like slightly more feel good era from that from yeah. the grimness of the seventies. And actually, um, even even the yeah. voiceover
1: guy, even the voiceover guy, is something that I actually do associate more with the eighties than I do with the seventies. Like on the trailer, I mean um so yeah all right yeah very interesting but i'm sticking with it as my number four of the year what's your number three of the year dan
0: my number three of the year is uh it's, it's been a it's been a really good year for possession films okay yeah yeah <laughs> and also not a great year for possession films depending on where you've been <laughs> um i managed to catch jason Yu's sleep which is a really lovely little uh, essentially a two-hander very subtle is it or isn't it supernatural type type thriller about a, a young pregnant woman who becomes increasingly concerned uh, about her her husband's sleepwalking and the things he is doing the increasingly destructive and worrying mm-hmm. things he's doing while sleepwalking her mother I said it was almost a two-hander her mother is is obsessed that it must be a ghost he must be being possessed or have been latched onto by a ghost mm. and and they you know, as, as modern thinking, a modern thinking Korean couple, dismiss this, obviously, out of hand. But but things start getting more and more upsetting as he starts going through like sleep sleep analysis centers, like, you know, hospitals and that kind of stuff. Mm. I really don't want to spoil where it goes, but it, it does. It, it handles the claustrophobia of their like small Korean apartment really beautifully. Yeah. The anxieties and the stress of not knowing uh, what's going on not being able to tell what's happening not being able to predict things and the the sort of loneliness that comes with the the worry being directly related to the person in your life who's really meant to be your protector so when you're you know when your partner starts to to let you down like that, whether it's consciously or unconsciously in this case, it's it's very difficult, you know it's obviously very difficult for a person to deal with that because their support network has been very badly damaged in the act of these events happening. Mm. And that makes it a really like creepy and uncomfortable movie. There's some very good tension in there. But then also because it's a Korean film, it manages to be quite light and funny in a couple of places, mm-hmm. doesn't sway into the melodrama as much as as some Korean films do, which I think is in its in its interests. yeah, it's it's great. Uh, there was a moment where Jen screamed so you know great that's good it <laughs> that sounds fantastic sounds really really up my street I, yeah I and it's seen and it's one. like a tight 90 minutes oh wonderful wow
1: maybe there was an hour of melodrama that they cut out or something yeah yeah
0: <laughs> i mean it's and it's directed director jason new it's his first feature oh, i wow. think if not his first then like early career but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's his first feature he was i think he's uh, bong joon ho's Assistant director. Oh wow! Okay. So he sort of worked his way up through the ranks, and, yeah. and definitely been on some some pretty impressive sets. Yeah,
1: excellent. Yeah, I definitely add that to my list. Fantastic. My number three, my number three is actually my number one because uh, it's a joint number one. Uh, I hope I'm allowed to do that. You know, I like to bend the rules, but like I literally, I'll let it fly in this instance. Uh... <laughs> uh, well, I've seen other people do it. Like I, I saw like a top. 50 list that started at number 37 recently online so um, i think i'm all right amazing yeah yeah um but yeah I, i'm really glad that i said last time that they're not in order because yeah this has been the trickiest ranking i've had to do it in years but these are all my best film of 2023 starting with godzilla minus one One of the absolute triumphs of 2023. I have said in the past I've had a disappointing year, but um, the quality of this one is so high. It makes up for all the disappointments. I've already seen it twice on the big screen. I'll probably go again um, before it it finishes its short run. And um, yeah, Godzilla minus one masterpiece. The biggest complaint about Godzilla movies that I hear from my friends and from strangers online is that in general, in Godzilla movies, there's not enough Godzilla and too much human stuff. Whenever someone doesn't like a a Godzilla movie, that's the first thing they complain about. And I do always argue with them because for me the more Godzilla there is, the less impact he has when he arrives. But Godzilla minus one made me realise I've probably been missing the point. And what they're actually saying is they want better human stuff because you don't say there's too much human stuff and not enough shark stuff in Jaws, for example. And Godzilla Minus One has the best human stuff I think I've ever seen in a Godzilla movie. And that includes Shin Godzilla, which I did love. It was very fun and entertaining. But Minus One made me care so deeply for the characters and it greatly increased the anxiety I had whenever the big G arrived into frame. This is a film that is influenced by Jaws, like directly, there's a direct homage, and also Jurassic Park, there's, there's a direct homage to that as well, um, but it has a feel that's entirely of its own, and uh, yeah, it feels worthy of comparison to those iconic movies. As for me, it sets a new standard for the series. I can't wait to see what's next. And uh, yeah, Godzilla Minus One, it's my joint number one. Dan, have you had a chance to see Godzilla Minus One? Has, have there been any previews in the UK?
0: No, I've been desperately trying to get hold of it. But you know what? Like, I think in a way, i I, I think I can just endorse the fact that it's in your top one multi-slot because like i know i know i'm gonna fucking love it are you um, yes
1: you absolutely are i, I cannot you so i'm much, so yeah. excited
0: i'm gonna go and see it with a friend uh next week i think so
1: oh magnificent it is out there in december that's annoying like i would yeah, it think was it's out the 15th yeah january so it could be in your top 24 list but you know let's just talk about it in the new year i'll, I'll um, just fucking put it in on I'll the, the next episode list. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> rules be-, be damned sorry yeah. the algorithm said it's so good it counts because yeah exactly <laughs> but i can't it's out of my hands it's out of my hands it's the algorithm i can't i can't do anything about it all i'll say is that
1: and it, it you know it's not this good because nothing's this good but i watched the first installment of uh or you know the first section of the human condition um for the first time oh. over thanksgiving when i had covid and um oh my god, holy shit! What a film right? that is. I mean, you've talked about it several times in the past uh, on the podcast, and you know that was what finally drove me to to um, give it a shot. And holy fuck, it's in the top five sold <laughs> ever seen. No, it's it's yeah. like yeah, 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 yeah. E- everything about that movie, like i i felt like i was living in that world watching it like it's there's something about the way it's shot and the way it's performed where it's all encompassing and the length helps as well but i felt enveloped in it beautiful did you you watched the
0: three hour the 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 three and a bit hour version of the first one
1: yeah i watched the three and a half hour version of the first one and you know i'll watch the second one as soon as i can but Yeah. yeah the reason i kind of bring it up is that obviously Godzilla minus one is nowhere near in the same league but there were little things in there that that did make me very happy that I'd seen Human Condition and then Godzilla minus one um that's all I say about that but yeah I think you'll love it I hope I don't overhype it too much by making that comparison um because I'm not talking about the quality I'm just talking about the I don't know there's just thematic resonances that that really made me glad that I'd seen that one first. But. yeah, anyway, Godzilla -1, it's my first number 1 of the year of 3. Dan, what's at your number 2? Is that where we are? I've got I've confused myself. Yeah, number
0: 2, number yeah. 2. And uh and just to let you know, I've got two number 2s and then I'll finish up with my number 1 at the end. So I've got six in my uh in my top 5, <laughs> you which son of a you bitch. may have spotted. With a little bit of a re-record thing we had to do at the beginning, that's not going to be in the edit. Uh, but Sam, Sam saw it when I accidentally said number six <laughs> at the beginning, and uh, and indeed, uh, it's one of the reasons I was pleased I got to go first because it, it kind of it. It works out better that way. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, like I, these two films went back and forth uh, for number two in my head for ages, and eventually I was like, you know what? Fuck it. They're they're a perfect pairing. What a, what a great evening. So in no particular order, or in reverse order of when I saw them, uh, my first number two is Talk To Me. Oh, as yeah. you correctly predicted would be in my, in my top five. Yeah. Incredibly pleasing to see an English language horror this fresh. Uh, obviously, it's not American. <laughs> uh, it's Australian, mm. but, um, you know, American money. Uh, it's, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. It does pretty much everything right. Really, really pleased with how it just, Dumps you in the world and doesn't dick about with like explaining backstory and like it's just like this is what's happening get on board yeah <laughs> and then and then the film's off and and it's it's, it's satisfying like, really satisfying at every turn. Jen and I um were up at uh, Fear Two Thousand the sort of academic horror festival and we snuck away. The- like for an, a matinee screening, an early screening of this uh, because it was out at the time in the cinemas, and we caught it then. And it was an yeah, absolutely fantastic. There were Only about sort of seven or eight of us in the cinema had a really good time. Some really fun screams from other people in the screen as well. Mm. And it's and it's possession horror, which I I do you know, which uh, sleep can kind of count of as one of those as well. It's only because I've I've seen sleep so recently that it's um that it's not as a, a third number two. I just feel like it, I haven't set, let it settle enough to really like get behind it that much it was very good but talk to me i saw quite early in the year and it was really really good i can't really fault it there's not really much wrong with it as a movie it's absolutely great uh, then following that up as my other number two is uh when evil Looks. oh yeah um, yeah um directed Damien uh, rugner it's a again it's another one where it just like it's just dropping little bits of information about the about the rules of the world as it goes which are pretty solid it again it doesn't worry about backstory and telling you too much about stuff there's a little bit of exposition here and there but it's pretty expertly put in and then and it's certainly never like uncomfortable it doesn't break the tone it has within it i would say probably the greatest individual moment from a horror film in the last decade holy shit it like i've not shouted oh my fucking God, at a scream like I did in this film in, in my own like cinema-going memory. Oh, wow. It's, yeah, like absolutely flabbergasting moments. And that is likely its downfall because I don't think it ever quite gets back up to that height. Oh, like, it's got okay. some amazing stuff all the way through. And like, for those of you who've seen it out there, I think that that moment would have been better as a coder. Like, if they'd like, it wouldn't take a huge amount of work to take that moment and make it be the end of the film, not where it is. But, f- oh my God, it's so good. Like, all the way through. And there is some genuinely terrific stuff at the end as well. There's some there's some stuff on a dimly lit road at night, uh, lit by car headlights, that is pretty grueling but it manages to do it without being it, yeah it's it's never like lazily mean spirited it's just like astonishingly shocking like it, it's it's confronting and startling rather than being mean yeah it's funny it's quite... um
1: shay watched this one when she had covid and she really enjoyed it as well and i was kind of staying away from her a little bit at that point there are a couple of moments where i went in to check on her and um see if she needed anything and both times when I walked in she had her hand to her face and was going oh my god <laughs> so I think yeah potentially that's the moment that you're talking about or, or at least one of them yeah incredible and she did say that I should watch it before my uh, end of year top 10 but I didn't get around to it so um I'll, I'll have to bump it up the list now I know how much you love it Excellent. All right. And Talk To Me was on my long list as well, but I knew that you'd pick it. Um, But yeah, I loved it too. Yeah, that's fair. For the same reasons. And it reminded me most of It Follows. Yeah. It had kind of a similar tone and a similar... The more you think about it, the kind of darker it gets. And also I think there's a lot in the filmmaking, like in the visual storytelling and the use of colours and stuff where they're actually pretty excellent filmmakers they're they're thinking about things on multiple levels and communicating things on multiple levels I think there's some pretty solid video essays online about uh, uh, Talk to Me that kind of show the depth of craft that went into that movie. So yeah, I'm excited to see what they do next yeah,
0: yeah. for sure. They allow themselves to have a bit more fun than yeah. It Follows has. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, yeah. Which which means that the shocking moments are a bit I think they're more impactful. I think yeah. It Follows is probably creepier and has a and slightly better air of unsettling. Definitely but yeah. that's something that you kind of sacrifice when you have fun. Mm. But when you get to have the, you know, when you get to have a bit of fun with the characters, then when you've fuck with them in the way that they do and it follow yeah. in, in uh, talk to me, talk me. Yeah. it can you can really suck punch your audience with those moments and that was that was a good choice i think that was really really solid yeah. Yeah. um also i think the further you get away from it follows you you start to you know see some light get through but with with talk to me it's a it's pretty watertight conceptually mm-hmm. yeah yeah no I, I agree with that for sure excellent all right well
1: uh let's move on to my next number one choice And uh, this one isn't out in the UK until next year, but it is out in the States on the 29th of December. So it totally counts. I was very lucky to get into a press screening of this one. Um, I got an invite from A24 and um, it's actually my first press screening since I moved to the state. So that was very exciting. But I'm not including it because I was excited to see it. I'm including it because you'd be hard pressed to find a better representation of 2023 than The Zone of Interest, which is essentially a family drama about a bunch of Nazis living a cosy slash picturesque life next to the Auschwitz concentration camp. Um, It is as chilling and as horrifying as that description suggests, uh, especially as it feels like it's even subtly challenging those locals who tried to help. That might be my reading, though. I think that's a personal interpretation and uh, a look forward to talking to you more about it dan when it's out because yeah this is one
0: i definitely want to see
1: yeah there's so much here to analyze and to reflect on um my friend josh simmons came along to the screening with me and he's a cartoonist who makes very very challenging work and his takeaway was that the film was saying that all of us whether we're walking past an unhoused person or ignoring global atrocities uh, complicit in uh the the utter abject horror that is around us every day um so happy christmas and uh, zone of interest is my joint number one it's an absolutely essential watch brilliantly written terrifyingly constructed there's one late edit that had the impact of a jump scare for me you'll know it when you see it that's not a big spoiler um it's just yeah very impactful and yeah, Jonathan Glazier is one of my favourite living directors. I think his work is astonishing. Um, birth, especially if there's anyone out there who hasn't seen Birth, it's one of his under the radar uh, movies. It's actually not that easy to get a hold of. I think it hasn't even made the leap to Blu-ray, but it's a, a true, true Kubrickian masterpiece birth. And um yeah, I'm always excited to see what he does, and yeah, Zone of Interest still... is is up there with the, with the best of all of it. Dan, what were you going to say?
0: Uh, birth still not available uncut in the UK, as far as I can, as far as I know. Holy shit! Yeah, Arrow, please release they... Birth. Yeah, unleash it. Yeah, rather than cutting time in Birth, the BBFC insisted on post production reframing of certain shots to crop elements out of frame. Holy shit! So that's well, the difference.
1: Yeah. Well, it's. Uh incredibly incredibly weird and chilling and very very impactful birth so um yeah if if you can find a way to watch it do and uh absolutely queue up to see zone of interest when it's released uh i'm sure it's going to win lots of awards and um, deservedly so. So it is my second joint number one, and
0: my final number one's coming up. But Dad, what's your number one? Uh, my actual number one. Yeah. Um, did I? Have I missed something out? How have I got behind you? I thought I uh, my last one should be three four five six yeah what the hell what the well you start? did oh no because i did them together that's yeah. why i was going to alternate and then i just slammed them together that's yeah why. that all makes sense yeah, yeah yeah um i mean it's it's one you've already mentioned sam it's anatomy of a fall and i i initially slightly resisted it being my number one because mm-hmm. it just feels a bit obvious you know it won the right. door it's you know it's, it's a very heavyweight movie but it stuck with me like it really stuck with me yeah it's an incredibly powerful film but a lot of the stuff that kind of really came to the front of my brain as I let it sort of soak after watching it was that you'd be forgiven I I hope you'd be forgiven because I feel I fell foul of this for thinking that the direction at least upon first viewing is a little perfunctory but actually there's some really masterful cinematic language going on in there and I think that the very subtle changes in In filmmaking style between the different areas of the film, the different time periods of the film is incredibly gratifying and does such a good job of imparting additional emotional impact. There's coldness when you want coldness, there's frustration when you want frustration and all of it's born out of Your, you, the viewers' previous relationship with cinema, and and in that regards, I think it's a really fantastic movie for people that love film. Not that there's anything to, you know, not not that it it would in any way leave non like diehard cineasts like out in the cold, because there's so much there from the performances and the and the narrative and you know all of the traditional things that make watching a film. Enjoyable for a mainstream audience, yeah. um, like there's there's plenty there for people. But I think just as a as a piece of filmmaking, it's so expertly put together. Yeah, it's it's just fantastic. the The other thing is, I was talking about to someone about this the other day. I often find there's there's a film that I watched because I thought it might be a, a a possibility for the top 10 and it, it very wasn't but it's one of those films where people criticize it and the defense from the criticism is that uh, oh well we didn't want to we didn't want to pick sides we just wanted to present things as they were and let the audience pick sides like let the audience make their own decisions and i kind of at that point i thought well that's kind of impossible because you are innately picking sides by what you choose to show yeah because you, you know, you cannot be impartial when telling a story yeah. because you choose to show someone's regret or lack of regret. You choose to show, you know, where someone was or to not show where someone was. You are documenting it to your own agenda, even if that agenda is subconscious. And, and that, However, even, that even happens an... in documentary
1: as well. Like the best example I can think well, of. Well, yeah, very, very much. Paradise Lost Trilogy where I came to the end of the first instalment going, oh, that person absolutely did it. There's no chance they didn't. And then the second documentary, they have new information. And you're like, oh, no, no, actually, that person definitely did it. There's no chance they didn't. And then the third one takes another twist again. So yeah it's all about selective information and making your argument um like you say whether it's conscious or subconscious anyway sorry carry on
0: yeah no i mean yeah you're completely right there's a i remember there was an old uh, there was a tv series uh, that Penintella did in the early thousands just called bullshit mm. and one of their one of the points they regularly went back to was the 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 lack of impartiality in in, in documentary making yeah, yeah. And, and document and, and like news and so on and all these things that when unexamined, we assume are uh, you know are neutral, um, or or at least want to believe are neutral, and then just aren't. Like it's yeah. it, it's not possible. But one of the things that made Anatomy of a Fall so good is I genuinely feel like they achieved it. Yeah, and it was something that up until that I didn't think was possible because the I mean, without wanting to spoil it, I don't even want to talk about what it's about. Really, exactly. If you seen it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But you've done, can I just say, you've done an
1: excellent job of, this is honestly exactly how I felt about it when I, when everyone recommended it and I was like, why didn't I include that in my top 10? And um, I reflected on it and the more I thought about the choices, the more impressive they were, especially, and I'm not going to say what it is, but I want to talk to you about this off mic. There's a choice deep in the third act about how a story is delivered that, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, "Oh shit, that's actually very clever." Um, I, I, yeah, I'm really talking around this because I don't want to spoil any element. But um, we'll talk off, mic. But yeah, I just wanted to highlight how much better you are <laughs> at talking about this movie than I am um, because you've got it. Yeah, that's absolutely spot on why it's so impressive. But yeah, carry on.
0: Yeah, it 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 is really beautiful i i had a screener of it and i put it on and after about five minutes i was like fuck this (laughs) and waited until it came out of the cinema so i could go and see it on the big screen yes uh and i went to watch a um i went to watch a a screening of it in wales at the everyman in cardiff while i was up there and it was oh it's so good it honestly it it kind of rocked me yeah Um, yeah yeah absolutely adored it
1: Great, wonderful, excellent number one choice. And uh, I completely wholeheartedly agree with it, even though it was uh, my number five, I can absolutely see putting it at number one. However, I've got a feeling that you're not gonna like my number one, Dan. So I've got quite a bit to say about it and then then we can get to um, why you didn't like it. But yeah, in my bottom five, I had three movies about racism, and two bloated big budget flops and so far all of my top five involves an element of man's inhumanity to man so it makes sense that my final joint number one combines all of those things it's easily the most impressive movie i saw in 2023 with a narrative richness and a painterly artistry that um It's its comparatively simple delivery. And I say comparatively simple because its director leaves all of his usual tricks in their box, preferring fixed cameras, longer takes and not a needle drop in sight. The film is Killers of the Flower Moon, which is up there with the best of Scorsese for me. I wasn't expecting to love this one as much as I did. I'd seen the criticisms of uh, a a white man telling an Osage story, Um, But I do think there's a subtle mere culpa in there, which I'm not going to get into because that's third act stuff. But I do think Scorsese is aware of the difficulty of a a, a white man uh, telling this story for a a big brand. That's all I'm going to say. But um, yeah, and and this is a story that I had absolutely no knowledge of, which had a profound impact on me. And and that is something that Scorsese can do. It is something that um, a director of his standing can do, which is to bring people in to a story that that needs to be told. And like most of Scorsese's cinema, this is a film about the sickness in the heart of America. He, he usually either talks about that or the, the potential evil of masculinity or how the healing power of religion could be contaminated by man. And so who better than him to adapt this specific book about this uh, specific story? And Lily Gladstone is great in the film, very naturalistic. But for me, Leonardo DiCaprio was astonishing, transformative And it also feels like De Niro's best work in decades, even better than his work in The Irishman. I honestly forgot I was watching him. He became this character, which is very hard to do at this stage of his iconography. So, yeah, I was overwhelmed, disturbed and blown away by this movie. I I mentioned it had a, a painterly quality earlier. There's a scene where there's a fire outside a window And the interior looks like the set of a play. Like the lighting through the window does look very fake. But then it cuts to a view through glass, which is kind of distorted. And it it both looks like an impressionistic painting and also contains so much symbolic information. Um, It was a real kind of bravo moment for me. And probably one of the first things that would get cut if Scorsese didn't have the power and control he had over Apple um, making this movie. I loved that he convinced them to make their most expensive movie ever about this subject. Um, even if it did flop worse than the Marvels, um, because of course it did, you know, this is slow challenging cinema confronting the core of America, just like the Marvels. Only kidding. Um, yeah. It's actually kind of weird that people really do bash on the Marvels. And um, I, I, I do think flower moon did financially worse but uh, it is absolutely going to stand the test of time and yeah i think there's even a chance i'm going to watch it once a year because it really did like every element of it was just so, so impressive to me. I felt like I was in the hands of a master. At the end of a career like his, to to still be putting out stuff of this quality is, is really, really amazing to me. And it even helped me get over my, my slight bitterness about Scorsese Dan because he did like a TikTok thing recently where, you know, you move your head from side to side to to tell people which movie you think is better. Like, there's random movies hovering over your head and you tip your, your head to one side to say, this one's better than the other. <laughs> and he fucking, he tipped his head to Birdman over the good, the bad and the ugly. And I'm like, Scorsese, I've loved you for the vast majority of my life, but I can't be on board with this. You're out. Um, but just when I'm thinking, <laughs> just when I think I'm out, he pulls me back in. Fucking love this movie. Have you seen it, Dan? um I, I suspect yet. you might not even have seen it. Yeah,
0: definitely will. I You know, I, I've got a lot of time for Scorsese. Yeah, but it was long. It was late in the year. I was yep. trying to cram in yeah, things that that might make the list. It was obviously going to be on your list. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what a great year. I don't know. I don't know how much the two films cost. But I know that the Marvels made more money at the box office than Killers of the Flower Moon. Yes, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, but but that some of that could just be the runtime, you know.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Like, yeah. Uh,
0: the Marvels was, you know, one of the shorter MCU That's pictures, yeah, at like yeah. a, an hour and forty-five. And Killers of the Flower Moon is three and a half hours. I think they're uh, both
1: budgeted at 200 million. I think they've got roughly the same, though I think the Marvels had some reshoots and obviously the marketing budget for, for the Marvels is a completely different ballgame to yeah, um, yeah, what yeah. Apple would have spent on Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, especially as, do you remember when they just had that one still image of uh, DiCaprio and Lily Gladstone at a dinner table together? And that was just yeah. the image that was used for every new story, for every feature, Um, for about six months so um uh yeah (laughs) not the greatest marketing in the world if if there's anyone listening to this precious arrowheads who, who haven't you know if you haven't had a chance to watch it please do make time for it it is absolutely fucking incredible really loved it what a great year dan we did it yeah it's been a good one yeah and we should mention something actually about this year because this is actually the last episode of 2023 um we're gonna take christmas off which we haven't done um before but uh the timings just mean that we would have been recording on uh on christmas day and neither, neither dan as much as we enjoy doing this we also want a little rest over christmas so we will be back in january um and what we're going to be back with dan
0: uh so our first film review of well first film thing light <laughs> shine that. of uh of, of 2024 uh goodness me is going to be my god, my brain's fallen out. Where are we? Um, it's, it's Hellraiser, we, four. it's Hellraiser 4. It's <laughs> Hellraiser 4, of course, it is Bloodline. Yeah, how could I, it? Yeah, and and I think,
1: are we gonna watch the theatrical cut or are we gonna watch the uh, the director's cut, which I think is radically different? I'm gonna watch the director's cut because I don't yeah. think I've seen it. Yeah, me too. So that's what we'll be talking about. So uh, please do watch that in your. Yeah, Hellraiser box set before January. Uh, we did Hellraiser one, two, Hellraiser three. 4K. So yeah, very very excited um, uh, to cover that one. And then after that, it will be my choice, and that will be Tremors two, four K. So please do watch those before January. And uh, most of all, most importantly of all, uh, we hope you have a wonderful holiday break. Uh, watch as yeah, many absolutely. movies as you can eat lovely food spend time with your loved ones and yeah we love you precious arrowheads any any final thoughts Dan do you want to push your social media during this uh heartwarming moment
0: I just I just want to point out the amazing self-control I have had not putting Infinity Pool in my top 10.
1: Well, we do have the rule. I couldn't have chosen Infinity Pool even if I wanted to because uh we don't include Those each other's films. Yeah, exactly. Those are the rules. Yeah, but yeah, we
0: yeah. but we do um we do acknowledge them. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: Well done on Infinity Pool Dan. Your work was uh, astonishing. And, uh, Thank you very much. Yes. It's
0: been it's been a it's been a good year all round. I think yeah. we've uh, we've moved studios at the for the company. We're we're in our new our new digs, which is great. Very much enjoying that. We've got some great stuff on the table for next year. I've had meetings with two, three yeah handful of amazing directors for for stuff coming up, which is really really exciting. Doing some really fun tests for some stuff for Jen and. Uh, yeah, and there's lots of really exciting stuff coming up and I'm going to be watching Godzilla Minus One before yeah, Christmas as well. So heck yeah. Heck it doesn't heck. really get much
1: better. No, it really doesn't. And uh, as for me, yeah, I've put out a, a couple of comics, one that I wrote, one that I wrote and drew and I've managed to not over-promote either on the podcast, which is, you know, that's that's really good for me. And I also put out a soundtrack cassette for a film that will never be released um, called The Devil Knows My Number. And I've also managed not to even mention that on the podcast up until now. So uh, I'm quite proud of that too
0: and uh yeah, you can what's the point of self-restraint if people don't know it and, and reward you for it <laughs> exactly
1: so in that spirit, you know subscribe
0: to on patreon <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah that that that's it A me. Um, how can yourself. people
1: follow you online Dan
0: I'm at thirteen finger fx on most things unless you need to add uh, dot blue sky at the end of that come and talk to me about what you're watching over christmas i hate christmas films yeah uh and i and i hate christmas yeah um so i'm gonna be watching the least Christmassy things i can uh i can find i think
1: well i'm planning on getting through the whole of human condition before we next record so um yeah you know what yeah watch
0: the watch if you can watch the third one Mm -hmm. on christmas eve oh yeah i think i can manage that excellent in fact try and try and make it so it ends at about midnight oh wow okay yeah i'm
1: sure there'll be loads online of if you start this at um you know uh, eight twenty three, then it'll finish at midnight
0: i i suspect that as time goes by if you search for human condition online more and more of it is just me saying how wonderful i think it is yeah. on any platform yeah. where i'm able to write things in absolutely um yeah. There's, bit, there's a, a bit of a, a running joke, I mean, I don't know if anyone else regards it as a joke, it's just something I've noticed and I think is hilarious, where every time anyone asks a question on the Criterion subreddit, because um, Criterion have um, human condition in the States. They do, yeah, that's um, how I've got it, actually. Yeah, every time anyone mentions, uh, like, everyone like says, what's the best dot dot dot, or, you know, what should I watch dot dot dot, on the, uh, about... 50 of us all just go human condition that's it just watch human
1: condition why have you not watched human condition yet watch human condition absolutely Um, yeah and yeah yeah speaking of films that people might not have watched yet we've just we have just hit episode 60 on uh on vhs quest which means that there are 240 recommendations uh 240 film recommendations waiting for you um at Patreon for just $4 a month so $1 a week for uh 240 movies you might not have heard of like that's not much better than that so uh yeah that is it for the selling now happy christmas or <laughs> or uh, holiday see- season like however you celebrate we hope you have a great time and uh yeah that's it for 2023 thank you so much for listening unless you've got any final thank words you. Dan
0: no, that's it's been a it's been a good year. Thank you for for yeah. spending some of that time with us listeners. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening and we
1: promise to be more professional next time.
0: Next time. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>